evening and welcome to a night depot my name is apostle milton jones i want to thank you for taking your time out tonight to join us for this broadcast for right now rhema word a word that's in due season spoken directly to you that will ultimately change your life forever if you'll make a decision from the very beginning to hear to open up your ears so that you can hear to open up your eyes so you can clearly see and have a heart that's open and ready and expecting to receive a word from God for you, for your situation and your circumstance that will ultimately change your life forever. Now, God will meet you at your level of expectation. So go right ahead. Go ahead and lean. Lean all the way in. Lean attentively. Don't just kind of listen to it haphazardly or watch it haphazardly. No, you want to lean all the way into it like like your very work life depends on it like like you're a deer who's who they, the word of god says in psalms how a deer pants for the water when a predator is chasing after that deer the deer is eagerly seeking to find the water because he knows once he goes in that water the predator will lose lose his scent and pass right over so he eagerly craves and desires for that water and God says tonight I want you to eagerly crave and desire for my word that I'm going to speak to you in a way in, in practical relevant ways that you will be able to see how to live your life how to be led by the word of God how to be led by the spirit of God how to how to make that next step that next decision that will ultimately change your life forever are you interested if so, here we go. And according to Isaiah 61 and 1, it says this. It says that the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God. And to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for the of a morning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And they shall build the old waste, and they shall raise up the form of desolation, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolation of many generations. Father, we give you glory, honor, and praise, and thank you for this opportunity in your word. We thank you, Father God, that our preaching and teaching will not be with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of spirit and power. Holy Spirit, you're here. You're already here. Touch each and every person who's watching. Touch each and every person who's listening. Touch each and every household right now in the name of Jesus. We pray, Father God, that people will be healed, set free, delivered, made whole, receive insight, guidance, and direction from the word that will go forth out of our mouth today. Let my pen, my tongue be the pen of a ready writer, writing your oracles and teachings and instructions on the tablets of their heart. And then, Father, I'm asking you to give them insight, understanding, comprehension, Father God, of the word that they hear, that they may apply it to their everyday life. Father, I covenant with you for miracle signs and wonders that the faith of the people lie not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of the Most High God. Father, I give you the glory, the honor and praise for it. In Jesus' name, let us all say amen. That word amen means so be it. Now, we're going to make our confession together, and then we're going to go ahead and get right into the word of God in the name of Jesus. Now, it says this. Say this with me. Say this is my Bible. Hold your Bible. Say, this is my Bible. Hold up your Apple phone, your Android, your 
tablet, whatever you have, hold it up where you have the Bible and it says, this is my Bible. The Bible is God speaking to me. The Bible is the truth. It reveals what I should think. It tells me what I should believe. And it tells me how I should walk or live. The word of God is the most important thing in life. Say it with me. The word of God is the most important thing thing in life and man we're gonna when we dive into the word tonight when we begin to go through this message tonight you're going to understand exactly why the word of god is the most important thing in life now this is this is probably part uh four of our series on locked and loaded and last week we had a great time talking about you are dead to sin but you're alive unto righteousness. In other words, we're saying that you are dead to sin. It doesn't mean that sin itself is dead, but you are dead to its urges and its compulsion, and nobody can make you do anything. We heard this last week about Romans chapter 6, verse 1, and we was reading out of the New King James Version. It says this, it says, what shall we say? Shall we continue in sin? Sin simply means you're missing the mark. God's mark is here. You come in about here. He says, shall we continue to sin? Shall we continue to rebel against what it is God's word instructs us to do? That grace may abound. In other words, people say, hey, you know, grace is there. So it really doesn't matter how I live my life. But the word of God will, will definitely uh, tell you that is simply not true just because grace is in place does not mean it gives you a license to willfully sin see there's a difference between if hey you know i didn't know what i was supposed to do and i i just i missed it i didn't hit the mark or hey i know what i'm supposed to do i clearly understand i'm not supposed to do something or i'm supposed to do something and you just don't do it so many times people focus on the sins of commission when you intentionally do something that you know you're not supposed to do but there's also another one the sin of omission what's the sin of omission the sin of omission is you know you're supposed to do something but you don't do it you know you're supposed to forgive but you choose not to you know you're supposed to walk in love with that person but you make a decision and eh, i'm not going to do it you know you're supposed to pray with for somebody but you say hey, you know what that person doesn't even deserve my prayer i'm so mad at them right now lord i don't want to do anything concerning them that is a sin of two one omission and commission one you're knowingly making a decision i know what your word says but i don't want to do it or you said hey you know what i'm going to make a decision to follow the word of god and then you say you know what i'm upset so i'm i'm just going to forget about that i'm so upset with them right now and i'm just going to forget about it the thing about it is is god needs you god needs me to make sure that we are living examples of those who are disciples of jesus christ which is disciple is a student one who's made a decision that i'm going to submit myself come under the direction of god's word come under the direction of whatever it is jesus tells me to do according to the word so i can grow up in the things of god grow in the knowledge of god and demonstrate what a citizen of the kingdom of god really looks like in everyday life 
goes on to say, it says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? In other words, if you're already dead to sin, how are you going to live in sin if you are already dead to sin? Pause and think about that. You're dead to it. means it has no bearing on your life unless you make a decision to bow yourself to it, yield yourself to it, make yourself a slave to it, and obey its urges. Man, that's powerful. Or do you know, do you not know that as many of us who, who are baptized in Christ, now we're in Christ, if you're born again, you're in Christ, Jesus, you are baptized in his death. Remember, when he died, you died. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into his death. When he died, we died. How? Because Jesus died for all of us. He died for the entire world. He came, when he laid his life down, when he went to the cross, he went to the cross for the entire world, even though many in the world would never receive the gift that he made available to them. Now, that's the sad part. So many people are out here living their life, thinking they cool, acting like a fool, doing all kinds of things. And they think, man, this life is the only thing that I have. So I'm going to live it to the fullest. But even if you live it to the fullest, according to the world system, you have lived your life far below the life that God had already intended for you to live. And he sent his son, Jesus, to make sure that you would have an opportunity to live your best life life yet and many people still today will make a decision like talk to the hand because i'm not even trying to listen to you it goes on to say this he says therefore we were buried with him through through baptism into death but just as christ was raised from the dead by the glory of god of the father even so we also those who are born again those who are in Christ, those who have already made a decision to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we should walk or live in the newness of life. You're not that old person that you used to be. You're not the same person that you were before. You're not the one who, who the world looked down on and said, man, there's nothing to them. Their life doesn't even matter. That's not you. You're a brand new creature. You are a brand new creation according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17. You are a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things, your old nature, that old nature of sin that you had before you received Jesus has, has been removed. All things, all things are made new. Now, we talked about last week how, man, even though your spirit, man, the real you, has been regenerated as a result of you receiving Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, and you still have the same body until you receive your heavenly body, but you still have something else you got to deal with. Man, that's your soul. What is your soul? Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions, your filler, your chooser, and your thinker. As long as your mind is still programmed the way it was before you went to the cross, even though your spirit is brand new and you don't have that old nature on the inside of it you will still find yourself still doing things that you did before you got born again even though you don't have to even though you can make a decision i don't want to do that anymore why because the moment you receive jesus as your personal lord and savior the moment that your spirit was regenerated and made brand new you, according to colossians chapter 1 13 you was translated or you was 
you was pulled out of this out of the kingdom of darkness and you was translated or put into the kingdom of his dear son you were brought into the kingdom of god so the moment you said in jesus name i pray after you received him as your lord and savior there was a there was a shift and you shifted from one one kingdom and to another uh, one under the rule of one king into the dominion of another see that's what kingdom means a king's domain or a king's influence over a territory and what happens when you receive jesus your lord and savior you receive the new a new king king jesus now you receive the king now he has influence over your life over your situation over your circumstances you are no longer a slave to sin you are no longer a slave to the, your old way of doing things you're no longer a slave to that old way of living now you have what used to have authority over you now you have authority over it but what you have to make sure you understand is you have to have your mind renewed according to the word of god because if you don't it's kind of like you know uh recently we had an ipad and it was an older ipad we'd had it for a while we used it early in the ministry we wasn't using it anymore but you know every so now every once in a while apple will send out a new update and what does that update do update means it brings that that old software up to a new level so that your your phone or your ipad or your mac or uh, will operate at a level it wasn't able to operate at before it has fixes in it it has updates on it it has improvements in it but what happens if you tr you don't update it and you're and now they've updated all the apps to to cooperate with that new down upload and they created all these things but you have never taken the time to update the 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 operation system on your device your device will still be operated, but it will operate nowhere near to the capacity to which it could if you would simply just do the update. Say, point to your neighbor, say, do the update. Do the update. And it's the same thing. When you are brand new, you are a brand new creation. You receive Jesus, your Lord and Savior. Your spirit man is brand new. It's been regenerated. That old nature sin's been removed. He's placed on the inside of you, uh, even greater, called the Holy Spirit, who lives in you. He dwells with you. He walks with you. He talks with you. And he leads you in the way that you should go according to the kingdom of God. But if you never take the time to do a upload or you don't come make a decision or just to do an update to the software that was already programmed in your soul, which is your mind, your will and your emotions, even though your spirit man is brand new. Now you got this battle going on on the inside because your spirit man will always lead you in the way that you should go. But you still operating according to old software information, old data old instructions, old way of thinking, old ways of responding, old ways of believing. And as a result, you will, it's kind of like you got, you're going, you take a two steps forward, three steps back, five steps forward, eight steps back. And it's like you're moving forward, then you're moving back. You're moving forward and then you're moving back. And you're like, man, this word don't work. Well, it's not the fact that the word doesn't work, but you have to do an update. You have to have your mind renewed daily by the word of God so that you can get a greater understanding of it so you can begin to apply it 
to your everyday life. So you got to understand that God's original intent from the very beginning for you and for me was that we were to 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 rule and to reign and to have dominion on the earth. See, you're locked and loaded, but it's going to cost you something in order to walk in that D dominion and authority. Did you hear me? It's going to cost you something to be able to operate in that dominion and that authority. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Now we're going to talk about it this way. It's, it's going to cost you something. So I want to ask you, are you ready to count the cost? Have you counted the cost? You know, it costs to be the boss. That's what they say. It costs to be the boss. It It's going to cost you something in order for you to be able to walk in this authority and this dominion that was given to you, was intended for you from the foundation of the world. In fact, when most people don't understand that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, God tells the, the, the man as he's mankind that this is what my purpose and plans are. For you are, he says this, he says, after he had made, uh, made man, he says, he said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Verse uh, 126 talks about, and God, well, he's talking about God, the father, Jesus, the son and the, and the Holy spirit. He said, let's make man in our image and in our likeness. And he created man. And, and, and when, after he made him, then he said this, he says, verse 28, he says, then God blessed them. And he said, to them be fruitful that word meaning fruitful means always be producing he says and multiply multiply means always be increasing and he says and replenish that word replenish means to feel and refill the earth and he says and subdue it that word subdue means to have control or have impact over your environment, over your situation, even by the superior force, which I have given you. He says, I have given you the earth and I want you to have dominion over. He says, give them dominion. That word dominion, you have rule. I want you to rule the earth. I want you to reign in the earth. I want you to dominate on the earth. So I always want you to be fruitful. I want you to always be producing. I want you to, uh, to be uh, multiplying. I always want you to be increasing. I want you to replenish. I always want you to be filling and refilling. He says, but I want you to subdue. I want you to have control over your environment. I want you to have control over the situation. I want you to operate in the superior power, which I have given unto you. And of course, you know, Adam and Eve lost it in, in the Garden of Eden when they rebelled against God. And what they did is they replaced what it was that God said with what it is the adversary said to them to trip them up, to violate God's instruction. And again, that's what sin means. You have violated the instructions or the laws or the teachings or the principles of God. And you made a decision. I'm God. I heard what you said, but I'm going to do it my way. But Jesus came, even though Adam messed it up, God had already told him, Hey, and Genesis three 15, you, you might bruise his heel. The seed of the woman is going to come forth and you may bruise his heel, but, but adversary Satan, he is going to crush your head. In other words, he's going to take back the authority that Adam and Eve lost when they bowed their knee to your words that contradicted what it is. The word of God had to say. In fact, he even says this when he's talking to his disciples. He says, even when you go into prayer, now I'm going to give this to you today. Even when you go into prayer, your prayer should be, 
Our Father, which art in heaven, holy is your name. We reverence you. We honor you. We praise you. Father, I want your kingdom to come. I want your influence over this uh, uh, territory. I want your influence over this, over my life, over my family, over my resources, my provisions, my finances. I want your kingdom rule to come because I ultimately want your will, your original intent, your plan, your nature, your lifestyle to be done in my life, in this earth, on my job, in my community, in my neighborhood, in my marriage, with my children with my finances in every area of your life. When you're praying, you're not praying according to your will. You're going to God and said, Father, I pray, I'm asking, my, my request is that your rulership be done, your influence on the earth be done, your will, your ultimate will, your desire, your original intent, your culture, your nature, your lifestyle come your will be done in this earth, in my life, in this territory, be done on earth, just like it is in heaven. I want my life on earth to mirror what it already looks like in heaven. So when you go to prayer like that, it's going to change your life. What you, when you go to prayer and you worship and honor God, you enter into his gates with thanksgiving, according to Psalms 100. You enter into his gates with thanksgiving. You enter into his course with praise. And then you say unto him, Father, what is it that you would have me to do today to, to cause your kingdom come, your influence in the earth to come that your will, your original intent, purposes, and plans, your your nature, your lifestyle, and culture come on earth just like it is in heaven. And when you come to God like that, it's going to change how you pray. But it's going to cost you something. You say, but if I pray like that, I'll never get my needs met. Well, God already says this. If you keep reading down, he says, uh, Matthew chapter 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God, God's way of doing things, God's system of operation and be in right standing with him and his righteousness and all these things. What things? What shall we eat? What shall we drink? How should we handle this situation? And that circumstance, he says, will be added to your life. See, what most people don't understand when it comes to being a believer is the most important thing, the chief above all things is wisdom. And I'm not just talking about the wisdom of this world, but godly wisdom. See, it even says this here in Proverbs chapter four, verse number six, seven, it says this, it says the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. What is wisdom? Skillful and godly wisdom for skillful and godly wisdom is the principal thing. Now that word wisdom means right use, uh, uh, right use or exercise of knowledge. So when we're talking about wisdom, you have right use and exercise of knowledge. And he says, and it's the principal thing. So to have godly wisdom, skillful and godly wisdom is the chief thing. What that what's the is, is the principal thing. That word principal means chief, highest in rank, character or respectability. It's the most important thing. So if I read it this way, it says, get wisdom get right use and exercise of knowledge for right use and exercise of knowledge is the chief highest in rank most important 
thing. He says, and with all of your getting, when you're getting all of this, with, he says, get understanding, a discernment, a comprehension, and an interpretation. So many people believe that they have wisdom, and all they really have is a whole bunch of knowledge. See, you can read the Bible, and you can get a lot of knowledge, but just because you have knowledge, which is information and data, does not mean you're operating according to wisdom, because wisdom is the chief most important chief above all things. And it is it, to, it, to have knowledge simply means you have information, but then you have to go to the next step. You got to get comprehension or understanding or discernment on what does that knowledge really mean? What, do, what, what does it really mean? What is the word of God really trying to say to me so that I can go to the next phase? And the next phase is to have wisdom, the right use or exercise of the knowledge that I have. So the first thing you got to do is you got to get knowledge. The second thing you got to receive, you got to get understanding or comprehension. And the third thing is you got to get right use and exercise of the knowledge that you have. And so many people are failing. They're trying to operate in, in according to the kingdom of God, but they don't even have the godly wisdom necessary in order to be successful in the things of God. How do you know that there's a difference between the wisdom of this world and godly wisdom? Well, turn with me over to first Corinthians chapter two, and I'm going to be reading out of the, the passion translation, starting at verse six. It says, there is a wisdom that we continuously speak of when we are speaking among spiritually mature. It's wisdom that did not originate in this current age or this present time, nor did it come from the rulers or the prime minister or the president or the queen or even your professors who are in the process of being dethroned. The wisdom of this world every day begins to fade. He says, but instead we continuously speak in this wonderful wisdom, right use and exercise of knowledge that comes from God. Who does this godly wisdom come from? It comes from God. It was hidden before now in a mystery. He says, it is, it is, it is his secret plan is destined before the ages to bring us into glory. None of the rulers of the world, none of the rulers of this present age, none of the, 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 the scientists or the so-called experts of this current age uh, understand it. They don't understand the wisdom of God. How do you know they don't understand it? He says, for if they had, they never would have crucified the Lord of, of glory. They would have never crucified Jesus. The wisdom of the, uh, the wisdom of God far exceeds the wisdom of the world. And if those rulers back in the time of Jesus uh, really understood what was going on, they would have never crucified Jesus. And if the rulers and, and, and ex so-called experts and, and leaders of the nation really knew, understood and was using the wisdom of God, they would know that all the things that they're doing right now to try to salvage the economy and, and, and making all these laws to go against the word of God, they would know not to do those things because if they knew the consequences on the other end, they would never make those rulings or they would never make those decisions or they'll never implement these things. He says, he says this, he says, he says, none of the rulers of this present age 
understand it, right? He says, now it's written in the scripture. He says, this is why the scripture says things never discovered or heard of before things beyond our ability to imagine. These are the many things God has in store for all those who love him. He's saying there's things that have already been in store. There's thing, there's, there's, there's information and knowledge and understanding about things that far exceeds what it is your natural mind could comprehend. He says, but all these things have been made available for those who love God or who reverence him, who honor him, who hold him in high esteem. He says, but God now unveils He's now unveiling these profound realities to us by the Holy Spirit. So if you're born again, because you have the spirit of God on the inside of you, you have the very wisdom of God residing on the inside of you. And when you go into prayer and you begin to ask him questions about things and you begin to study and read his word, the Holy Spirit begins to reveal these, these, these realities. He begins to reveal this godly wisdom. He begins to take that knowledge that you have and give you comprehensive insight and understanding of it so you can operate in godly wisdom, right use and exercise of the knowledge of the word of God that will change your life and the life of those around you forever. You say, how do you know that? I'm going to keep reading here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm in, I believe I'm in verse 11. It says this. Yes, he has revealed to us his innermost heart and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit, who constantly explores all things. After all, who... Who can really see into a person's heart and know his hidden impulses except, except, except for that person's spirit? He goes on and says, so it is with God. His thoughts and his, his secrets are only fully understood by the Holy Spirit. He says, glory to God. The Holy, the spirit of God, for we do not receive the spirit of this world. We don't have the spirit of this world, but the spirit of God or the Holy Spirit so that we might come to understand and experience all, uh, all that grace has lavished upon us. In other words, you may, you uh, for a person who's not born again, they're still operating according to this world system or what it is that their spirit can comprehend or understand. He says, but those who are born again, you receive the spirit of God. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. He's exploring all things and he's making available to you and he's revealing unto you all things, all things um, that have been made available to you through the grace of God. He also goes on to say, and we articulate these realities with the words imparted to us by the Holy Spirit and not with the words taught by human wisdom. We join together spirit revealed truths with spirit revealed words. So when we come together in prayer, when we come together and study the word, when we come together and begin to open up the word of God, when you begin to read the word of God, it's you. 
is the Holy Spirit and God's word. And what's happening is when you begin to read God's word, when you begin to study his word, then you begin to get revelation knowledge of what that word has to say. And when you begin to read the word, you're getting knowledge. What does the Holy Spirit do? Give you the comprehension of insight and understanding to what it is that you're reading so that then you may be able to do the third part, take have right use and exercise the knowledge that you have gained through reading the word. See, it's so vital for your success. It's so vital for whatever area you're about to walk in. It's so vital on how, how you're supposed to be a husband, how you're supposed to be a wife, how you're supposed to operate on your job, how you as a pastor, as, as, as a congregant, how you're supposed to operate as a son or a daughter, how you're supposed to operate with your with people who you are intended to date, how you're supposed to operate when it comes to your money. All those things, all that information, all that knowledge is found in the word of God. And the moment you get the word of God, what happens is you begin to get into it, begin to read it, begin to mutter it, or begin to say it out loud to yourself over and over again, or begin to study it to the point where you begin to receive comprehensive insight or understanding of what it says and then you will get what's known as a rhema word that word is is a spoken word to you to gives you revelation on how to exercise or rightly use the knowledge that you have see it was so vital even 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 uh solomon and in all his and his all his knowledge he had made this great sacrifice to god and he killed all these all these animals to make sacrifices back in the old testament so for the sake of time i'm going to you kind of paraphrase it. He had made this great sacrifice to God because he really appreciated and loved what it is God gave him. And as a result of him doing this to God, God didn't ask him for him. Solomon just made a decision. God, because I love you so much, I'm going to take the very best I have and to show my gratitude to you by offering it to you. And while he slept, the Lord appeared to him in a dream by night. And he God asked him this question. Ask what you shall, and I will give it to you. He gave him a blank check. He said, Solomon, ask me whatever it is that you want to, and I will give it to you. Now, most of us have got to ask the God, man, hey, give me about a billion dollars, about five houses. I want to live a, I want to live a, a lifestyle where I never have to work another day in my life. Lord, I just want to live high off the hog. But that's not what Solomon did. What Solomon did was this. It was astounding what he did. And, and you find it in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9. It says this. This is what he did. He says, he says, he says, therefore, Lord, he says, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. He says, for who is able to judge this great people of yours? Now, what do you ask? He says, God. Out of all the things I need, the most important thing I need in order to fulfill this assignment that you've given me, this 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 thing that I'm taking on, he says, give me a wise and understanding heart. Give me a heart that is full of wisdom. Give me a heart that's full of understanding and comprehension so that I may lead your people. I mean, it's great to be in this position, but Lord, I'm going to need your wisdom in order to be successful in it. So what did God said in regard for in regards to that? It says that the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then the Lord said to him, because you 
have asked this thing and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself and has asked for life of your enemies, but you have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart so, so that there has not been anyone like you before, nor shall there be any like you afterwards. He says, because you didn't ask for all those things that would only benefit you, because you asked for me or for things that will help you to be able to help and be a blessing to the other, he says, this is what I'm going to do for you. You didn't ask for it, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to honor you. I'm going to give you what it is you asked because what you asked me for was wisdom and the ability to, to discern and understand and comprehend. And isn't that what we're, what we're supposed to do? Isn't that what, what, we're, what wisdom is supposed to be used for? To be able to take that, uh, the right use and, and exercise of the knowledge that we have gained and be able to use it to help somebody else. See, in all you're getting, get understanding, discernment, and comprehension. He, but God asked me to ask you this question. What are you willing to do in order to gain it? See, the reason why so many people struggle with this walk as a new believer is because they're trying to hold on to their old life and trying to walk into the new. He says this in Mark chapter 8, verse 34. He says this. He says, and when Jesus called the people to himself, with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and let him take up his cross and follow after me. For whoever desires to save his old life will lose walking in the news. And whoever loses his old life for my sake and for the gospel saves his new he says, for what would it profit you? What would it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul in the process? Or what will a man be willing to give in exchange for? He says, so many people are trying to, to hold on to the old and walk into the new. But change is not change until you change. Change is not change until you make a decision to let go of one thing and to step into something new. And he's saying this, he said, there's the only way you're going to really walk in the, have right use and exercise of the knowledge of the word of God to truly be operating according to the wisdom of God. It's going to cost you something to the point where you're going to have to let go of the old to step into the new so you can let go of that old life so you can walk in the newness of life. And he says, now, because you already know that you're dead to sin and you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now, put on the mind of Christ. Put, because it goes on to say in First Corinthians chapter 2, it goes on and says this. Who is that who can instruct God? Who is that who can counsel God? He says, you're not able to counsel God. He says, but if you're in Christ, he has given you the mind of of Christ. He has given you the knowledge. He's given you comprehensive insight. And he says, and he longs to give you the wisdom, the right use and exercise of that knowledge. But it only happens when you make a decision. God, I'm going to be a disciple. I'm going to be a student. I'm going to continue in your word. I'm going to be a doer and not a hearer only because you already know Jesus paid it all. He paid it all for you. He paid it all for me. But it's going to count. It's going to cost you something. Are you ready to count the cost? Are you ready to count the cost to be the boss? 
Are you ready to lay that old life down? Are you ready to lay that old way of thinking down? Are you ready to pick up God's way of doing things? Are you ready to put on the mind of Christ? Are you ready to operate in the things of God? It says in Philippians chapter 2, Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who didn't think it robbery to be evil God, but made himself of no reputation. He made himself of no reputation, and he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Don't make it. Don't worry about your reputation. Humble yourself and be, and become obedient, even to the point where you have to lay down your old to step into your new. I want to give you an opportunity to do that tonight. How do you do that, man? It's so simple. And according to Romans chapter ten, verses eight, nine, and ten, it says this: that the word is near you, it's in your heart, it's in your mouth. It's the word of faith which we preach. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you would be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, he says, with the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with your mouth confession is made unto salvation. Man, some people may have missed it. Some people may have sinned uh, through omission, or some people may have done it through commission. Man, it doesn't matter what state you're in, because guess what? You can get it right today. Simply pray this prayer with me. Confess it out of your mouth and mean it from your heart. Say it with me, dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I do believe. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe he died for me on the cross and carried my sins for me. I believe he was put in a grave, but now he's risen. He's alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. I repent of sin and I turn from it now, Lord. I receive your offer of forgiveness. I'm now in right standing. I'm now born again. I'm now a citizen of the kingdom of God. I take off the old to put on the new. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and glory to God. Well, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time or you made a declaration, a decision to restore your life, man, we want to welcome you back into the kingdom, welcome you back into right relationship, welcome you back into right position. So what do you do now? Man, you got to get in a Bible-based church that teaches you about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, also about the kingdom of God and the love of God. We know that Ignite Depot is such a place. So if you join us here every Saturday at 6 p.m., every Saturday at 6 p.m., man, we will teach you practical, relevant ways on how to be a doer of the Word of God, what the Word of God has to say first, help you to get comprehensive insight, and give you uh, the ability to have receive right use and exercise of the word that's being taught man we believe we wholeheartedly believe in the wisdom of god because it's the wisdom of god is the chief and principal thing now we look forward to seeing if you're not here on saturday man catch us on thursday catch us on thursday at 6 p.m because we'll rebroadcast this same message and also even if you're here on saturday if you um if you miss it on Saturday, but you catch it on Thursday, we have a podcast in between that time that's Ignite to Life. That is the num- Ignite the Number Two Life podcast, Ignite to Life, and you can go and find this and other messages on the broadcast. Man, on behalf of Pastor Juan and the entire Ignite Nation, I want to thank you for joining us tonight. And remember this, wisdom, godly wisdom, is the chief most important thing. God bless you. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you.